everybody and welcome to this week's edition of the Equalizer podcast. I am your host Claire Watkins joined this week by Jason Anderson. How's it going Jason? Uh, I've been doing a lot of very small math so you know it's okay but also my brain is kind of melting. Yeah we're going to get into it because things are getting increasingly more elaborate in the NWSL playoff picture. We go through this match weekend with no one clinching playoffs. I'm not actually sure it was possible to clinch playoffs this weekend. Some teams only have two games left. Some have three. Amazing how many teams still have games in hand at this point, but that's NWSL for you. So we're going to talk about the playoff contenders. We do have three teams that are fully mathematically eliminated from playoff contention. That is Gotham FC, Racing Louisville, and the Washington Spirit. Now, the Orlando Pride are not actually eliminated from playoff contention entirely, despite maybe some of the talk. I think the broadcast said they were eliminated. It's it's a it's a hedged bet, though, because while they are not mathematically eliminated, it would take some highly, highly, highly unlikely results for them to make playoffs. Jason, you're the one who has done all the tiny math. Why don't you break it down for us? All right. Uh, so for Orlando to make the playoffs, uh, they need Chicago's on 30 points right now. They're in sixth. Um, they need Chicago to stay on 30 points. So that's mm-hmm. the first thing. They need Chicago to lose twice. Um, they themselves need to win all three of their remaining games to get to 30. They mm-hmm. have 21 right now. Um, they also need, so Angel City obviously has to beat Chicago for Chicago to lose their games. Um, they then need Angel City to only get uh, just to get either zero or one in their other two games that are left. They play Spirit and um, Racing. They've got to not win those games, and they can't draw twice either. Um, they need the courage to not win two games uh, to keep them below 30. And then on top of all of those things, <laughs> they have to make up the 24 goal difference gap uh, with Chicago that they have. And possibly if Angel City gets to 30, they would also need to make up the goal difference gap with Angel Angel City, which is currently 16. So they need to do all of that in three games. Unlikely, right? So yeah, it feels we'll unlikely. Say, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Orlando. I, I doubt your ability to win by 12 or 13 goals in yes. any of these games. Right. And it would require or just split it and have, you know, Chicago lose seven to nothing twice, which I, I would I would hope would not happen. I'm not yeah. sure that would Ch- be something. Chicago's that... had some clangers, but worth talking three or four nothing, not right. seven to ten. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so, or, so Orlando probably more likely to have the opportunity to play spoiler rather than maybe make their own run. But it, it's fun to look at the scenarios. We saw some. It, it's been interesting seeing some of the more official channels, whether it's team channels or league channels, try to figure it out as well. Um, Again, we've seen some sort of uh, summarizing, like someone saying that Orlando is effectively eliminated, but not, you know, technically so, um, because we still don't know. We have four points between sixth and seventh. We have four points between sixth and first. So this is going to come down to the last weekend. There's no way that it's not. Um, so we're just going to actually go opposite up the table. We're going to talk about these teams from eighth to first, actually, because those teams um, North Carolina sits in eighth, Angel City seventh, Chicago sixth, All Rain fifth, Portland fourth, Kansas City third, Houston Dash second, San Diego Wave first. Now, don't place too much again from six through one, though that has has changed rapidly. Houston finished Saturday at the top of the table, um, but then San, or San Diego then leapfrog, or they started at the top of the table, then San Diego leapfrogged them, and then only because Kansas City could not win did they not go top of the table, or same with Portland. They both had an opportunity to go top of the table. So hard to say exactly how this is going to shake out, but we're, we're seeing something incredibly interesting happening at the bottom of the playoff line, and it feels a little bit like last year for North Carolina, very similar, um, se- no, maybe not exactly the same season, but they they did this exact same thing last year. Now it took a result, for, it took a Houston loss for, for this to occur, but North Carolina, they have 25 points right now and they have three games left. We talked about that 30 point line that Chicago's in right now. Sure, it would absolutely probably take Chicago not picking up more than three more points 
um, or any more points for the rest of the season, but that's also possible. Chicago plays Portland next, and then they have that sort of showdown with Angel City. Jason, to you, and, and this is wild because we're, we're talking about North Carolina coming off a loss, mm-hmm. but they're still very alive, right? The math kind of shakes out that this could totally end with them in sixth place. Yeah, I mean, the, the schedule is friendly for them. Um, no disrespect to Orlando and Gotham, but the Courage are, in my opinion, at least the better team in both of those games. Um, the Courage haven't been great at home, so that home game against Gotham, it is Gotham. They have now broken the league record for consecutive losses. Um, but the Courage at home are not a sure thing, um, but they have been good on the road. And so I think um, it wouldn't shock me if they get six out of these next two games. Mm-hmm. The tough part for the courage is that their final game, they kick off the final weekend. Um, they, that it's a Friday. I think they're the only game that day and they're at San Diego. Right. Um, but they've kept themselves alive, which I think a couple of months ago, it just seemed like, well, they've, they're just too far back. Right. Um, and they've done it while the games have been wild. This has not been a, a lot of like gritty one, nothing wins. It's been, uh, I, I mean, I wrote an article about how basically if you don't know what to do with your weekend in NWSL and you have one game you can pick, you should probably watch the courage because you'll mm-hmm. see a bunch of goals. Right. Um, so they're back in it. I think the fact that Chicago, um, you know, has that angel city game, um, at the very end is I would, I would rather play last. I would rather right. go into that weekend. And really getting... know what the stakes are. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's not great for the courage, but they've done everything they can to keep it open and their goal difference. Um, you'd normally think a team in eighth wouldn't have that. They would have this one more thing they have to cover. They're even with Chicago. They're even with the rain. Mm-hmm. Um, somehow they are ahead of Kansas city. Kansas city yep. somehow could win the shield with a negative goal difference, which yep. is the most NWSL thing I can think of. But um yeah, they've 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 got a real chance. Any team that has that still has a mathematical chance and can field the attacking players that the courage can field, mm-hmm. they're always in it. Um, now, the flip side of that is the courage have been so inconsistent in moments right. that I feel like they could drop points in either of these games that they should be kind of must wins. Um, if this were Chicago hosting Gotham, I would say, okay, Chicago's probably going to win that game like two nothing. Right. And nice and easy with the courage. I'm like, I, they should win the game, but right. who knows? Um, well, right. And I mean, going back to the game that they played this weekend where they lost, they lost two to one to OL rain. Um, they forced an own goal early in the match, right? It kind of seemed mm-hmm. like maybe North Carolina, they had, this, they had this good momentum going They're They're pushing. And then we saw that same kind of defensive collapse that we have seen from them in, in past games that Megan Rapino shot from distance was very well placed, but that should not have, <laughs> right. you cannot let a shot from that far away get, you just can't. And it wasn't like it was totally top bins. It felt like no. they had to have gotten a foot or a hand on that. And they just did not, the wall did not work. Uh, no. Casey Murphy did not get to it. And you see stuff like that and you think, surely that's the, that's what closes the door. But Angel City lost. Mm-hmm. Chicago lost. The door is still open simply because I think some of these other teams cannot just cannot get separation. Yeah. Um, and like you said, strength of schedule, I think, is going to come into it. Um, we talk about how having three games left is good and bad. It does mean that you're going to have teams um, with truncated schedules. And we've seen a number of teams struggle with that this season. Um like Chicago, the loss to Houston, they were coming off a three-game stretch. Houston was not, right? Or um, Angel City, same thing. So I think that the the strength of schedule, like you said, the Gotham game could be a trap game. Gotham has to be due for something eventually. I do not – or I certainly hope that they're not going to end their season with more losses. Um, hmm. So, yeah, it'll it'll be I'm, – I'm fascinated to see what happens with North Carolina. Like you said, they're always dangerous – but it does seem like they also always have the capacity to let other teams back in. And I think that mm-hmm. should, should worry them, especially against a team like Orlando as well, who, mm-hmm. you know, they they've kind of been up and down in recent weeks, but they can get stuck in. And if it's and and, and North Carolina needs wins, they don't need draws. So yes, which, that's, I which think, also is going to kind of open the door to even wilder courage games, because right. if they find themselves, if it's, two, two in the 80th minute, the courage have to go for it. It yeah. has to be like, okay, we're, 
you know, we're going to play like two, we're going to leave two people back and everyone else is going to be going forward. Right. Um, even more than they are. I mean, they already kind of do that a lot of the time, but now it's going to be even more extreme. So mm-hmm. these, these games are going to be wacky. This, especially that last, you know, that courage San Diego game, if the courage are still in it, mm-hmm. um, given how direct uh, San Diego likes to play, right. that game might just be 90 minutes of just a track meet. Um, that one seems like it's going to be fun and dramatic unless you are yeah. a fan of the two teams, then you might not enjoy it as much. The ball might just be in the air a lot. That's like, <laughs> that's my, my guess maybe is that just, there's going to be a lot of aerial challenges in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So moving up one, one, uh, one place in the table, only one point above angel city at this point with 26 points, one point above North Carolina. Um, so angel city, they, they are always good at sort of gritting points out, but yet they just cannot close this gap with Chicago. Mm-hmm. It's been sitting at four. It does feel a little bit like Chicago and Angel City have been tied, um, like sort of tethered in their results, which is that like when Chicago loses, so does Angel City. And when Chicago mm-hmm. wins, so does Angel City. Um, the one time that did not happen was this midweek when Chicago won and Angel City lost. And that's why Angel City is sitting four points back. Um Angel City has, let me look at their schedule real quick. So they um, are playing, let me see. They have a spirit. Oh, they have another Wednesday game. Again, I don't know. They're going to be tired. They had a Wednesday game last week. They have a Wednesday game this week. Um, And and so they have this game against the spirit. The spirit are pulling some stuff together that they did not have pulled together uh, earlier in the season. And then they play Louisville the following weekend. and, And Louisville got a result for the first time in a long time. So Angel City, it's not quite as treacherous as maybe the Red Stars, but it feels like there is a possibility, even if Chicago does not get any points out of that Portland game, that Angel City could still be four back Yeah. Uh, in with, with the last game of the season. So do you think Angel City can force the issue and make it a within three-point difference going into final weekend? I think it's certainly possible, but I, th- I think the alarm bells should be ringing. You know, these last three games, it's two shutout losses and a draw. I mean, draw at Houston is pretty good. Um, yeah. I think everyone would be happy with that at this point in the year, but they followed that up with two one nothing losses. Um, and, you know, not that they're playing bad like, at San Diego at the opening of Snapdragon is a tough assignment um, yeah. for sure. But, um, you know, at this time of the year, it's it's pretty unforgiving. You have to find a way to get results and they haven't quite been able to do it. Um, this Wednesday game between them and the spirits going to be very strange because I think um, Freya Kuhn has taken some heat on, you know, NWSL Twitter for not substituting enough all year mm-hmm. long. Um, the spirit came out of this last game and barely used their subs at all yeah. uh, in their win over Gotham. And now they both got to play this Wednesday game. Both teams should be very fatigued. Um, we might see some heavy rotation. I don't see why the spirit wouldn't at this point in the year, they don't have anything else to play for. You might as well. Um, so I don't know what to make of that game. Um, but I do kind of wonder when a game gets, when you're the home team and everyone's just exhausted, um, it might not be in your favor. Um, Mm -hmm. it kind of levels the playing field a little bit, um, maybe mitigates the advantage they would get normally from the spirit having to fly cross country. Um, Louisville certainly don't look like a team that, you know, the fact that they got that, that result, like you said, um, they don't look like a team that's in the same mental state as Gotham. I mm-hmm. think they're still like, I think we can start to put some things together for next year with some of these players that are still fairly new. Mm-hmm. Um, this look, you know, they've made, they've been adjusting their formation all year, which is maybe not great, but um, maybe they started to find something um, with this last game. Um, so it, on one hand, it's good for Angel City that they're at home twice in a row, but I, I'm starting to wonder if they're going to be able to produce the goals they need, um, right. to get wins. Cause they like North Carolina, these have to be wins. Um, mm-hmm. realistically, I don't think, um, not to spoil the Chicago section, but I think Chicago is not going to walk into that final game of the season, um, having not gained any points. Um, mm-hmm. So Angel City can't fall further behind. So I'm a little worried that they're not going to get into that game with any drama available um, because they do pretty much have to win one of these games to make it happen. And it just seems like they've given so much this year. Their games have always been very physically and mentally demanding because they're always so close. They never have an easy game. 
that I think they might be hitting the wall a little bit right here at the end. Yeah. No, I think that, that yes. And, and I think that like, we've seen, we, we say the same stuff. It's like every week, the, there's the defensive tenacity. There's the work rate in the midfield. Um, they did earn a penalty against San Diego that was saved. That was a huge result changer for, for that mm-hmm. game. Um, it's like they did better in San Diego than I almost thought that they might. I thought that the momentum for San Diego was going to be so great that this could be multi-goal and it, and it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And, and that's to their credit. But and this is true, I think, for the Chicago segment as well, which is when you try that hard and you still lose, I think that is where it becomes harder to replicate those performances on short rest. Um because you don't get the boost of a result. Mm-hmm. And I think that that, I mean, fortunately they didn't have to travel very far for that one, but um, yeah, I would love, I would love for that Chicago angel city game to be a showdown for six. I think that would be great for the league. Mm-hmm. Um, again, like I said, I think it's a possibility that it could be a showdown for six and also a must win because it's possible that North Carolina is yes. within two points as well. So there's a possibility that we could have North Carolina sitting above the line and Chicago and Angel City both need to win to leapfrog North Carolina even. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that would be pretty cool. I hope. So I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that Angel City can get at least three points out of this one and force the issue. Now, like I said, if Chicago gets anything out of that Portland game, that's about done and dusted. But we'll mm. see if that happens, right? Yeah, uh, I, I will say I, I kind of have to correct myself. I forgot that it is at Portland, at Portland. Uh, for Chicago. So it's going to be tough. Maybe, yeah. maybe they won't add to their point total yeah. in that spell. I'm still a little pessimistic for angel city. Maybe they get within three. Right. Um, but then you're talking about seven, eight goals they have to make up in right. that final game, not just win, but make up the goal difference. Cause right. Cause I mean, I think best case scenario, what are we looking at here? So we, this is like, it's, it's hard to, I don't want to get into this too much. Right. But it's like, <laughs> Uh, Chicago's max points are plus three going into the final weekend, right? Mm -hmm. Angel City's max points are plus six. They're Mm -hmm. four points behind. So it is possible for them if they like get a win and a draw and Chicago doesn't get anything, they do go in tied. But in that scenario, um, a draw then suits, sorry, I'm pulling the standings back up. I'm moving. Um, A a draw then suits Chicago because Chicago Mm -hmm. has that goal differential advantage again, uh, assuming that they don't, lose you know six to nothing um it's basically a five point gap um that they've set themselves up with so um yeah angel city the the task is very difficult for them even even if they get a win um in if they come to chicago and get a win the the task is really it's the, the situation favors the red stars for sure not just as much as it seems but maybe a little bit more because the the new way of doing tiebreakers uh, if you if you search nwsl tiebreakers you might find an old document mm-hmm, so make right. sure you're looking for 2022 if you're yeah. a fan wondering what is about to happen to my team make sure you're typing 2022 in because it did change this year yes um and it just goes to show let, let's switch to chicago now it goes to show just how important it was not only that they got that kansas city win but how lopsided that scoreline was you know mm-hmm. chicago's had weird ones they've lost 4-1 they've twice i think they've they've lost um they've had a couple really rough scorelines not go their way but they've also made those up made that goal differential up by having yes. two four nothing wins in the last month um we saw, I mean, I'm not even going to pretend that it's anywhere near the same team as last year, but obviously Chicago got fourth with a zero goal differential last year. This is a very different team. They get leaky, mm-hmm. but they also can score goals. Um, so that, I think that Kansas city game was huge for them. Just not only um, in obviously that, that differentiator of winning and angel city losing, which was, has been huge for their small cushion into seventh, but also that goal differential cushion, because that is going mm-hmm. to be a very big deal. Now, like I said with Chicago, a couple of things, you know, that loss to Houston this weekend was not what they needed. But again, it's like that the North Carolina conversation, which is like it also wasn't a killer just yet. Um, Chicago is coming off a three game week. They did also did not rotate. We're seeing these teams go with their favored starting 11s to to try to clinch playoffs and Houston was able to really buckle them down. Like Houston was just slightly more physical. Um, the press was very precise. They looked better rested than Chicago did. And they get this very close uh, one nil win, very defensive game. I think there mm-hmm. were like 
four shots on goal total between the two teams. Um, it was just sort of a midfield battle and Ebony Salmon took her chance and, and Chicago really couldn't generate much at all though. You know, I, I personally think that Mal Pugh got, got fouled in the box more than once, but that's just me. Um, mm. And, and so I think that that kind of a game, again, you say, okay, we gave it our all and we still lost one to nothing. They do get a full week off now, but they're going to Portland and Portland also dropped a result this weekend. They didn't lose, but they did basically lose two points at the very end of their game against mm-hmm. Kansas city. I think that that one we've seen Portland be able to do some, some rough score lines on some teams. And we've seen Chicago give those up on occasion this season. That one, you know, it's only three points and they do theoretically have three points to give, but they might want to be careful that they don't let the goal differential get out of hand. So for you, Jason, is Chicago your sixth place team? Do you think is looking at all of the scenarios, looking at current runs of form? Do you think that it's going to end up being the red stars above the red line? Yeah, I think so. Um, and, and I think some of this is until this, you know, not to get ahead of myself again, but um, this, this rain win against North Carolina has kind of calmed some of my doubts about them in terms of mentality. So I think that they're not going to fall behind Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um if Chicago were playing a less difficult opponent uh, yeah, this, right. this coming weekend, I might not feel as strongly, but the fact that it's at Portland, um, that's, that's a really tough draw to get right now. Um, but I think they're going to be all right. Um, Angel city has got to kind of run the table to, mm-hmm. to get above Chicago. Um, the fact that it's Chicago hosting that last game, they don't have that fatigue um, because they, they are not as deep as maybe some of the other teams. Certainly um, with the way that they're playing, they are not yeah. rotating very much at all anymore. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that they kind of need that avoidance of one more game packed in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I, I do wonder, you know, Houston kind of gave a little bit of a um, penalty uh, shouts aside, um, kind of a way to keep you quiet. Um, lesson, which not every team can apply that lesson the way Houston did, um, because most of the teams in the league just don't want to drop off as far as Houston tends to want to do. Um, but the lesson is out there. Teams can follow that blueprint. Now we're kind of, if you're angel city, for example, you kind of take that pretty pragmatically, I would think, um, Mm -hmm. into that last game and just try and scrape a one, nothing, um, rather than having an open game where you don't have a Mal Pugh equivalent. Mm-hmm. Um, which is Angel City's maybe maybe their flaw right now is that Simone Charlie doesn't have 90 minutes in her legs. It seems like right. um, Sydney LaRue is out. Kristen Press has been out for so long. They just don't have that player that can stretch games um, mm-hmm. to that extent. Um, so, yeah, I think Chicago looks pretty, pretty solid for, you know, grading on a curve. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it, it it still might come down to can you win one home game um, yeah. for the Red Stars? and. Yeah. You know, at home, they've got, like you said, some of these. It's kind of funny to look at their recent schedule and see four nothing pop up over and over again. Sometimes um, they lose, sometimes they win. Yeah. Right. So, so there, they are, there is a little bit of a wild card uh, yep. feeling with the Red Stars, like the courage, but I think they're going to hold on. Um, I think they're going to get the result they need on the last day. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah. I, it's mostly that if Angel City were a little fresher, I would not be so confident, but they look, they look kind of out of gas. So I think Chicago's kind of, it's kind of playing into their hands. Yeah. I think that makes sense. I mean, we've seen this, I mean, as someone who covers the red stars, we've seen this in the past, even we're just, it's not always that the red stars are like playing lights out at the end of the season, but it's just those fine margins of errors that other teams can't quite keep up with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, I think the thing that makes me feel a little bit better than Chicago and I'm going back on what I said last week, but sort of in the context of the whole week, which they got that big result at Kansas city. Um, and the loss at Houston. I was very impressed by Houston. And we'll talk about that when we talk about them. But I really, I was very impressed by the way they played that game. But um, I think what makes me feel like Chicago is going to be able to get at least that draw against Angel City was actually that rain game. And, and the rain game mm. actually made me think, I don't know, maybe they do get a point in, in Portland, despite some of their historical issues there. Like, sometimes Chicago has these switch off moments where score lines get out of hand. But they've also had a number of results where 
they've really kept themselves in it and, and mm-hmm. they've done just enough to, to get what they need. And I think that's also why they are sitting above the line right now and have that four point gap between them and seventh. Um, so let's actually last part of section a, let's move up one more here. Um, again, just one point difference between Chicago and OL rain, though the OL rain like a number of other teams have three games left instead of just two. So the rain that's a big win that they got in North Carolina mm. this weekend. That is like the result that makes you think like, okay, playoffs for sure. Um, obviously they're still in the shield race and that they're only three points back from, mm. from the top of the table. Uh, and like you said, it felt like a little bit of a, a mentality win yeah. in that it was the goals themselves were a little bit fluky, right? They own goal in like the eighth minute hard to recover from that. And we've seen them not fully recover from that, those kinds of defensive mm-hmm. mistakes in the past. Um, it helps that, that Megan Rapino has, has been in good form. And I think they're using her really well. I think that Laura Harvey knows exactly how to use Rapino to the, to the best of her abilities at this point, they play Gotham next. So this is the Wednesday game. So you think mm, maybe a winnable game, right? Again, Gotham is trying not to have be the not to be alone with mm-hmm. the longest losing streak uh, in a single season in the NWSL history hard to tell exactly how much energy they have left for the rest of the season. Then all rain plays Houston and then they finish out with Orlando. So those two are going to be a grind. I don't think those are going to be easy games physically, mm-hmm. but even more than the points switch and the fact that they leapfrogged Chicago to go into fifth, starting to feel like the rain solidly a quarterfinals team, possibly by the end of the year, in in a semifinal position, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think the fact that they flew cross country against the courage, the courage needed something from that game. Yeah. Um, and the rain managed to find their way through the game without being at their best. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that means a lot at this time of year. It's, it's a good indicator that they are, um, for lack of a better word, kind of pulling their act together mm-hmm. um, because there have been times this year where, I mean, the rain have been around fifth, sixth, seventh for almost the entire season. And when you look at their roster, when you look at how they are perceived, uh, um, when people talk about them, they are not perceived as a team that just squeaks into the playoffs. They're perceived as a true contender. Mm -hmm. Um, This is the performance and win of a true contender. Um, And coming into this game, they didn't really have very many of those. it was kind of like, well, you know, they're, they're not bad, but they just had their game before that is a home draw against Chicago. Right. Um, a contender should be winning at this point in the year against a Chicago level team, frankly, mm-hmm. and they didn't do it. Um, so it, it, it was, I've had a little doubt in my mind about the rain all year long. Um, and it's always been about that side of things. Can mm-hmm. they actually put all this talent together? Um and I still have some qualms. I'm looking through their schedule and the last time they had a shutout, you have to go back to July 1st. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a team that's supposed to be one of the best defenses in the league. When you look at goals allowed, um, they're right there with can or with San Diego um, with the lowest goals allowed in the league, but they aren't getting shutouts anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of what their strength was is kind of seeping away a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but Rapino has been great lately. Um, you have to say she's been, it's been kind of classic late, late era, Megan Rapino classic mm-hmm. in that she isn't always that heavily involved in the game. But then when you look back on the game, you think every single decisive moment in the game, she was involved. Yeah. Um, and that's a big problem. If you're Gotham, if you're Houston, uh, if you're Orlando, um, especially that Houston game is really interesting to me because if Houston's going to drop off and play on the counter as they like to do, and mm-hmm. the rain are probably going to try and play on the front foot and be a possession team. Normally that sets up pretty well for the dash. That's what they like. Um, but I do wonder if they're going to give away too many set pieces and find themselves conceding on a Rapino free kick, whether it's someone heading it or Rapino going to goal. It mm-hmm. seems about as dangerous either way the, right now. Um, so yeah, I, I think they are solidly going to get into the playoffs um, this defensive inability to hold a shutout lately does make me wonder if in the playoffs is the maximum for them still. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, like, like you said, 
they are three points out of first and they have a game in hand mm-hmm. and that game at hand is against Gotham. Right. Um, by this by, time, by next weekend, they could be top of the table. Right. Yeah. You know, right. we're, we're talking on Monday and on Thursday, they could be, um, I, I don't, I think goal difference wise, they're probably not going to pass San Diego, but they're going to be right there. Yeah. Um, so they're in a weird spot where they might get into the semifinals by virtue of just getting a play a buy. Mm-hmm. Um, and on a team like that, with the number of veterans and national team players that they have the extra mileage on those legs, a buy is a big deal for that yeah. team. Right. Um, so I think they are incentivized to try and not, not just for competitive reasons, but, um, in, in a game theory perspective, it's better for them to get one of those buys. I think the buy might be more important to them than anyone else in the playoff chase. Yeah. I mean, that makes, makes a lot of sense to me. I think the one thing that I also want to know about maybe some of the, the defensive mistakes that we're seeing is um, just that Quinn has been limited in, mm-hmm. in recent, in recent weeks. And I think that that has definitely had an effect on their defensive midfield. They're starting Nikki Stanton a lot. Um, and I think that they're, they're feeling more pressure in that area of the pitch than they usually do. And that was, that was actually a big issue in the equalizer they gave up against Chicago um, mm-hmm. last week. So if Quinn can get healthy, I think that that will also help them a lot um, in terms of that defensive sturdiness. Um, yeah, I, I like the rain. I think that I think they could totally end up in. They feel kind of like a team that could absolutely end up in in second, something like that. Um, and like you said, with the schedule that that um, teams have, which is that you're going and we've mentioned this last week, but you know the the last NWSL regular season weekend is the first and the second of October. The U.S. immediately go over to Europe to play two games back to back. And then they come back and play quarterfinals. So not having that quarterfinal, I think, will be a big deal. Um, so that is the playoff race. Now we're going to go ahead and take a little break and then talk about the teams in the top four that are all kind of squished at the top, trying to get that, trying to get that shield. So hold on one second and we'll be right back. Welcome to part two of this week's edition of the Equalizer podcast. I am your host, Claire Watkins, joined this week by Jason Anderson. I'm going to say the thing I say all the time, which is um, please rate and review this podcast. Give us a five-star rating, five-star review. Um, that helps us a lot. It helps people find us, helps us with discovery. We're doing this every week to try to get all that good women's soccer content to you. So help us out. Give us a five-star rating and a five-star review. So let's talk about the top four. Close. I mean, I'm just, I'm just looking at it and I'm like, well, it's very close. Only one team with a game in hand of the top four. That is Portland who sits in fourth. They are only two points off first, um, but they did not get the result they wanted this weekend. Kansas City was coming off of short rest, right? It was in Kansas City. So that, that makes a difference, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but Kansas City was off short rest. And after sort of getting pummeled by the Red Stars, Portland looked like they had done just enough. AD French has another very, very good game. Keeps keeps Kansas City in it. I keep saying this. I keep waiting for Portland to just take off. Mm -hmm. And, but that just hasn't been that kind of a season for them. It's just always letting other teams sort of hang around. Um, So I'm going to ask this question of all of these teams and and probably, you know, should have asked it for the rain as well Is Portland. They have three games left. Um, their next game is against, again, sorry, switching over to matches. Um, they play Louisville on Wednesday, right? Mm. They play Chicago on Sunday and then they end with Gotham. So, you know, two of their last three are against eliminated playoff teams have to feel decent for their shield chances, right? Yeah. Um, you know, Louisville coming up on Wednesday, Portland has enough depth and has, I think they've been very studious in how they've rotated throughout the year. Um, so a player like Yasmin Ryan, for example, isn't a locked in starter every single game, despite the season she's having. Um, and it's because Portland can afford to not start her all the time. Yeah. Um, and that kind of extends, it doesn't extend through their entire lineup, but it extends through a lot of different spots. You know, Megan Klingenberg hasn't had to play, 21 games she hasn't had to go 90 minutes every week or anything like that so um 
yeah, I, I think they're in a position to win that game. Um, and, you know, hosting Chicago, it's short rest, but they're the home team. That's mm-hmm. a big plus. Um, and, you know, last game of the season against Gotham for Gotham, it's this is a season that I'm sure that they would like to be over. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think the schedule really favors Portland. Um, like you said, though, Portland should it it feels like they should be further up the table than they are, which is a strange thing to say about a team that has three losses in 19 games. Mm-hmm. Um, they are excellent. Um, they, I think it's reasonable to think of them as a legit contender to win it all. But I do look at those eight draws and I'm like, how have you had eight draws? Yeah, um, right. and, and their goal difference, it's huge, but it's also been inflated, I think, by some games where they've completely obliterated an opponent. Um, and they've kind of padded their stats a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, when they're playing tougher teams, now they're they're only playing one tougher team in these final three, so maybe it's not a problem for the playoff race. Um, but in the playoffs themselves, it, it, I do wonder if they can be the team that they are at their best for 90 minutes because there is an incentive for teams to maybe deny them the space that mm-hmm. Sophia Smith has been thriving in. And it has been kind of when they face teams that are good at that, they do kind of seem a little like, well, what are we supposed to do about this problem? Right. Um, we've been so good at doing this thing uh, over and over again. And, you know, if this is a trick that you can pull as a team, great. Um, not everyone gets to have Sophia Smith uh, running, running up top for them. Um, but yeah, I, I do wonder if they're going to come up against a team that changes who they are um, for a playoff game and find it to be a bit of a difficult problem in a way that I don't think that it, it doesn't feel like they've had to deal with that yet this year. Um, so I, I'm really curious to see how they respond. I think though, from a just make the playoffs perspective, they've got a pretty solid chance at picking up all nine of these points. Um, and if they get all nine and get to 41, it'll be everyone else ahead of them has only the two games left. Right. Um, if they get to 41, I believe, yeah. Yeah. Doing the math just now. Um, 41 will win them the shield. If yeah. they win out, it doesn't matter if San Diego wins their games or Houston or Kansas city, the shield will go to Portland for the umpteenth time. Yes. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's a really good chance of that happening. The schedule is really promising for them. Yeah. Um, in the playoffs, I think it's going to be much tighter, but you know, first things first, that's, yeah. that's, for, that's for next month that down the road. Yeah. Agreed. Um, I, we saw them, you know, with Portland, it feels like it's been a little, their depth has been a little bit of a double-edged sword. Um, I think that the stewardship of the roster has been really, really solid. I think that that's why they, they have had so many players contributing so well this season. Um, but we did also see just those, those six points lost in that two, two game, you know, little, little skid right before last international break. That was purely due to rotation. That was because mm-hmm. they were not running, um, they, they just didn't have the ability to run the same lineup out. So it is fascinating to see how that could hopefully become a strength in these last three games when other teams are rotating a lot less when they're trying to pick up these points. So, um, yeah, I, I like, I still like Portland's chances. I think that, like you said, strength of schedule works in their favor. I think the way they've managed this season works in their favor. Um, and just the actual game in hand works in their favor as well. So, uh, we will see. So yeah, if, if Portland gets to 41, It'll be congratulations to the Thorns, Shield winners, uh, picking up the curse and the honor at the same time. So <laughs> moving on to current number three. Oh, current number three. The current. They are in number three, Kansas City. So they have 33 points, just one point above Portland, just two points above OL Reign, just three points above Chicago. They've had... Kansas City is so funny. I love this team. So like you said, they're they're in the top three with a negative two goal differential because, again, of that, that sort of four nothing hammering that they had at the hands of Chicago in the midweek. Um, I said this, I, I think I've said this on a different podcast, but this season we've we've seen some of these blowout score lines. We've seen teams just kind of like not all there mentally sometimes and can that was Kansas city's turn and, and, but they bounced back in a big way. They mm-hmm. really gamed this game out against Portland. Um, even when the momentum wasn't always in their, uh, favor. And I said this before, like, I, I don't know if Kansas city is going to win the shield, but I think they are the team that I almost most would not want to play in the playoffs right now. Cause you just, they're so hard to beat. 
in, in a mm-hmm. way that forces other teams into mistakes or just their belief of will is so strong. Um, so Kansas City, to me, I'll, I'll go out and say it. I'll say that I don't think they're winning the Shield, but they are maybe my dark horse. Like, we might see them in D.C. Uh, on Halloween weekend, in, in my opinion. What do you think, Jason? I, I think there's a good chance of that. I mean, you look at their away record, they've won five of their ten away games. Um, that's, I think, only Houston has better than that. Yeah. Um, so that points to a team that, is cut out for even if they don't get a playoff by um, navigating their way through that semifinal. Mm-hmm. Um, they seem built for that because they're so able to sort of impose their game, their game model on the other team mm-hmm. um, because that they're so frenetic. It's high, high pressure, very fluid. Um, when you watch them in person, um, what their formation is uh, in any given moment, it becomes very difficult to tell because all of a sudden, Haley Mace is supposedly a wing back, but now she's playing center forward. Right. Um, and then, and then she's going to go back. Um, there are so many different changes that they throw at teams throughout games that I think they're very good at making the opponent uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, even that Chicago game um, was more Mal Pugh just played at a level that's kind of like, what do you do about this problem? And right. the answer is you, you lose for nothing. Right. Um, well, right. Uh, when you have when you have kind of a, a half clearance out of the box, turn into a goal against somehow. Yes. That's, you just that's, kind of throw your hands up. Yeah. Um, right. I will say, though, this is maybe the one concern I have about Kansas City is that they don't have that player. Mm, um, yeah. They built their roster to they went out and got two of those players who can take a game over single handedly. But Sam Ewis hasn't played all year, virtually hasn't played all year, and it doesn't seem like there's any sign that she's about to return. It would be great. It just doesn't seem like it's about to happen. Lynn Williams has been shut down for the whole year. Um, And when you don't have those players, you know, it's it's kind of a cliche, but we've seen NWSL playoff games. They tend to be dominated by the stars. Yeah. when you're when it comes to crunch time, the players who are the absolute best tend to win you games. Yeah. Um, and Kansas City has had some players play spectacular soccer this year, um, but they aren't their ceiling is not quite as high. Mm. Um, and so it is they kind of have to do everything the hard way. They have to push the other team to play Kansas City soccer, which they're very good at. Yeah. Um, but that's a it's a grueling way of playing. They're they're the most aggressive pressing team in the league. They put the most. Yeah, I don't know this from data. Maybe there's a data point out there that I haven't seen about ground covered. Mm-hmm. Um, but anecdotally, I think they run more than any team in the league. Um, and they don't, a difference between Kansas city and angel city is that they don't have that 70th minute wall that they hit and they run out of gas. They just yeah. keep going. Yeah. Um, case in point, their most recent game. Right. Um, so yeah, Kansas city is a real problem. Even, I mean, their goal difference is what it is, but, you know, part of that is just, they started the season really slowly. Yeah. Um, and then they went on that long, long unbeaten run. Was it 11, 12 games? 13. 13. 13. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's over half the season yeah. uh, that they went without losing a single game um, without having an elite player to just carry them to these results. Instead, they found some very, very good players who were able to sort of all collectively elevate at once. And if they can keep doing that, you know, I wouldn't want to be the team that lines up against them. And I, I'm like you, I kind of suspect that they're going to get more than one playoff game. Yeah. Um, my only pushback on the not having the player, and this is not a player that can win them a game. This is true, but they do have a player that can help them not lose a game. And that is yes. 80 branch. Yes. And I and, think that, that when you talk about a playoff team, sometimes the way that you win a playoff game is your goalkeeper stands on her head and doesn't let and frustrates the other team and doesn't let the other team score. And then you use that to your, to your advantage later. So um, I've I've seen that game play out at Segra field this year. Um, And uh, that they won that game one, nothing on a goal. They scored off of a throw in. Um, So that is Kansas city. They are they're They do have that build of being able to withstand a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. And somehow scrape a win, which is, you know, again, why I'm I'm like, this is a team that I, I feel like they're going to advance at least one route wherever they end up. Mm-hmm. If they get a bye and they get into the semifinals, then that means they're going to BC. Um, if they're in the in the quarterfinal round, if they don't get that bye, I still think that right now, you know, not knowing who's home, who's away, 
I still kind of would bet on them to get through at least one. Um, They, they're just, they're very impressive Um, top to bottom. They, I mean, people wrote them off pretty heavily coming into the season and they're the one team that can actually pull that card. I think for real. Yeah. Um, I think everyone's going to want to pull it, but they're the one team that is like, that can actually say like, no, no, everyone really did write us off. And here we are. It's true. Yeah, no, I, I like them. I, I, you know, I spoke to, I spoke to Elise Bennett and and Lola Vonta for a a piece for a different site. And one thing that Elise Bennett said that really stuck with me is she said there is, she like almost like literally, she was like, there is a method to the madness. I know it sometimes looks chaotic and, but we do know what we're doing. Yes. (laughs) And so she's like, it's more methodical than it looks. I promise. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is what's striking when you see them in person is that it is kind of a whirlwind, but the, there are like 20 people in the building that know what's, what's supposed to be happening. And they all happen to have a Casey current badge somewhere on their body. So exactly. Yeah. um, Yeah. That's that they're a problem. Yeah, I agree. Speaking of a problem, I like this Houston Dash team. Let's talk about them. So they are also on 33 points. They're up on goal differential. Um, they have a plus 11 goal differential above Kansas City um, at nine. So I liked what I saw from Houston this weekend. It was not the prettiest game, but it was the right. They just have Chicago's number. They yeah. know the right way to play that team. Um, and I thought it was interesting because, yeah, they, they do have this um, this current, uh, reputation for, yeah, like you said, sort of that, that mid to low block hit on the counter, but sometimes in the second half of that Chicago game, which they did win one to nothing, they were playing with a high line. They were playing the offside trap a lot. Um, and it was working in the NWSL. You never know if it's going to work. You are living and dying on the ARs, but at mm-hmm. that, you know, they were, the ARs were in sync with, with Houston on that one. Um, and, and so let's talk about, the thing that Houston has struggled with in the past, and that is sort of this disciplined full team defense. Mm-hmm. It's like the moment Houston really started playing defense, I think this their their trajectory changed. And so, again, when you talk about teams going into playoffs, I think they are a playoff team. I think they're going to make playoffs, and I'm actually, like, super stoked for that. Mm-hmm. Um but when you have a team set up defensively in a way where everyone and, and, and kudos to the, to the new coaching staff, it does feel like everyone is really on the same page. Mm-hmm. They, they dropped Michelle Prince into the midfield in this game. I thought that was a great little tweak. And, and we've talked about this with James Clarkson in the past. Like when, when Houston lost that Washington game to miss off to miss playoffs last year, that was due to a, a tactical error. It was mm-hmm. a strategic error, right? They drop into this five back to hold on to a draw they fail. Right. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen to them this year. You know, I think that they, what they're doing is much more organized and it fits their player personnel. Um, so same question that, that I've been asking. So first, maybe two, one is, are they a legitimate shield contender to you? And and second is, do you think they win a playoff game? I don't think they're going to win the shield. Okay. Um, mostly because of the Portland schedule um, mm-hmm. being so favorable for them. Yeah. And, you know, Houston does have the spirit are such a weird team right now in that they've, they've finally started to look like what we thought the spirit would look like, mm-hmm. which is bad news. If you're Houston having to come back to Washington on the final day of the season again, right? Um, that's not ideal for, for the dash. Um, and, you know, they also have to play the rain. So it's not like their other game uh, is a gimme. Right. Um, so they've got two challenging games back to back to get through. Um, and I think it's more about that yeah, uh, as opposed right. to Portland than it is a knock on the dash. Um, I, I like, like, like you said, I like, um, I, I agree with what you're saying about overall, the dash seem more adaptable these days. Mm-hmm. Um, there seems to be more intention to mm-hmm. how they're playing, why they're doing what they're doing. Um, I think they also just feel like a team that can roll with a tactical change more than they could under Clarkson. I think um, Juan Carlos Amoros has given them the information in a different way that um, they are able to make these shifts without it being super disruptive. Um, That example you chose from last year, once they removed, they removed a midfielder for a defender and they kind of were like, well, we don't know what to do other than drop off. This is the only thing we can think of to do. Um, now if, if Amaros made that same sub in a game, I would expect them to not just 
drop off, they would be more organized. They would be more able to mm-hmm. still deny the other team the thing that they want just with a different alignment. Um, so that, yeah, they, they seem more able to solve problems in game than they have in the past. Um, and obviously it also helps that they've, um, their plan a, you know, standing off a little bit and trying to get Sanchez or not Sanchez, um, Ebony salmon into space. Um, also, I mean, if they get, um, Maria Sanchez into space, that's Sanchez is a little bit more of a playmaker. She's not like their their number one finisher. Yeah. But if they can find her some room, um, that also is very good for them. Um, but yeah, that, that they're, they're an interesting mismatch for most of the rest of the teams in the league because everyone wants to come out and play, um, an expansive style. They want to play front foot. They want to spread wide. Um, but the fact that Houston has now started to show that they can also compress the field by bringing their line up, um, having that, uh, alternative in their back pocket is really important. Um, And I think it makes them an extremely dangerous team to play in the playoffs. You know, when you throw in um, the fact that they're finding different spots to deploy Nichelle Prince, that's Mm -hmm. a great example of here's a team finding a new wrinkle that they haven't shown yet. So there's not going to be a lot of tape on it, but they feel confident enough that they've trained it enough that they can throw it out there and get, you know, not just results, but actually consistent performances. Um, So yeah, they, they are a team that, you know, uh, it's easy to say, well, all of these teams are good because they are. Yeah. Um, but Houston is a particularly difficult team to grapple with, I think, with how everyone else likes to play. Um, and I I do think that they're another team that I'm like, you know, am I am I picking Houston and Kansas City if they're play, facing the rain in the first round? I Maybe if, yeah. if that game's in Houston they, or in they Kansas could, City. They could, you know, yeah, yeah right. Yeah, I agree. No, I think that what what I liked about what I saw from Houston, and this actually, again, makes sense to me based on the last couple of weeks, which is that Houston is not um, lighting up the score sheet anymore. That it's a, that that has come down to earth a little bit in terms of goals scored. But once they got that goal against Chicago, they were able to just sort of close the vice in on the Red Stars mm-hmm. and make it incredibly difficult to play through them. And that is how you can win playoff games sometimes. I mean, I think that's how Chicago did it last year. That's how Chicago won two playoff games Mm -hmm. um, last year. Again, just very close, but they just were able to control the game state upon going ahead. Um, So now moving on to number one, once again, I, you know, I'm like, I'm being, I'm, I'm loving this. I, all of these teams are doing such interesting things. San Diego, Mm -hmm. 34 points, right? They are ahead in goal differential for every team other than Portland. They have two games left, one against the Pride and one against, as the aforementioned, uh, North Carolina, San Diego. Now, every time I doubt them, it's truly just because this has never been done before. (laughs) And it's hard sometimes to sort of project out something brand new you know, they, again, they didn't, they didn't sort of explode in offensively against Angel City, right? It wasn't quite the no pun intended wave, perhaps we were expecting, but they're still here. And that Mm -hmm. is worth talking about, right? Um, So maybe let's say, you know, the shield question is maybe less relevant, because as you said, there's just so many factors in Portland's favor that Portland would have to make a couple uncharacteristic mistakes, I think, to to not end up with the shield. Um, So maybe the better question is this, which is that we've seen San Diego be able to sort of, again, control a game. They've been able to win one nothing. They've been able to win in a shootout. They don't Mm -hmm. always win in a shootout, which we saw against Washington last week. Do you think they're going to win a playoff game? Uh I think they certainly can. And it's in part because they're so um, the organization level has been so high. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a consistency in what they want to do um, that I think that's carried them through the year. Frankly, um, I do kind of have a little, I don't want, I don't want to go so far as say apprehension, but there was something about this weekend's game against angel city where both teams were kind of, what they did to deal with each other was to go even more extreme mm-hmm. um, in what they try and do. So 
Angel City played without a true striker um, and played four central midfielders and tried to slow that game down with possession and, and, and keep it small and keep it slow. And San Diego's lineup selection was not only are we going to play really more 4-3-3 than 4-2-3-1, um, we are going to play our two most aggressive vertical wingers uh, mm-hmm. to either side of Morgan. We're going to play Mackenzie Doniak as a central midfielder, which hasn't they haven't done a lot of. Um, so you're you're getting another player who's very direct, very much a ball winner and, and get out and go. Taylor Korniak, very pretty famously, um, someone who's looking to play long. Mm-hmm. Um, so they really went like maximum San Diego. Mm-hmm. And it's a very interesting choice for them at this point in the year. I, I kind of understand with the home debut of like, let's let's go all in on just piling Our on the style. Pressure. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and get the crowd behind us and all that. Um, but if that's the way they want to go for the rest of these games, I do kind of wonder if they're going to end up you know, if I'm Houston and San Diego wants to go even more direct than normal and wants to be even more aggressive than normal, if I'm Houston, I'm like, great, um, right. that we're, we're cut out for that. Like, that's yeah. the game we would like to have, too. Um, so, yeah, San Diego, I think as organized as they've been, they do maybe need that alternative uh, that they haven't they haven't really had to show, which is good. Right. It's why and they it are where they are. Right. Um, but I do kind of I. You know, in NWSO, I feel like plan B comes up in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like a, there's always a team that gets through a playoff game based on being different than who they've been all year. Yeah. Um, and having that ability to change. I, I do think Casey Stoney can certainly do that. And maybe they've been training um, this all year and have just been keeping it under wraps. And they'll, right. you know, pretty famously that 2017 championship game, Portland played completely different from Portland all year long. We've never yep. seen we've never seen the Thorns do that. They came out and basically had a boxing match um yep. and it won them a title. Yep. Um so I do wonder if San Diego's got that going on. It, I wouldn't be surprised necessarily if they've been working on something that they don't want anyone to see. Um but if they don't have that or if, if they haven't had time to practice it against another opponent and refine it a little bit is it going to be as good as some of these other alternative moves that a Houston or a Kansas city can throw out? Mm-hmm. Um, that is the unanswered question. Um, right. But, you know, I, I guess San Diego ha- does have one thing going in their favor and it's that uh, by adding, you know, they, they get Jaden Shaw and it seems like, okay, this is a great move for your future. Mm-hmm. And it turns out it was also a great move for right, right immediately. Present. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. She's scoring a goal like every 60 minutes or something. Yeah, just high efficiency. Yeah. So so that's kind of a it's a little bit of a wild card um, that they now have, you know, it it, they spent so much of the year with Morgan being their goal scorer. They had to get goals from Morgan. Um, Sophia Jacobson hasn't really produced a lot on the score sheet. Um, A lot of their other players that have cycled in and out have occasionally popped up with the goal, but it's not they don't have that consistent alternative until maybe now um, the youngest player in the league, it turns out, or except for Olivia Moultrie. Um, I I keep forgetting how young she is, by the way. Um, But yeah, the San Diego has kind of, out of all the late additions to teams in the, in the transfer window and before the roster freeze, they ended up being the team that has maybe had the most productive addition. Mm -hmm. And it was one that, you know, I, I don't, don't think anyone truly expected, um, Shaw to be this good right away. Um, right. I think people at the spirit told me that she was going to be spectacular, but I don't think they had her pay, you know, pen down as a starter for them. Well, and now here she is starting on the first place team and, and succeeding. And I like how I, I was going to say, I like how Sony is using her. Um, I think mm-hmm. when you have a player that young, who is that talented, I do think that certain um, like encouragement points are really important. I like that they start her. I think they, I mean, Stoney was open after the game. Like she's not 90 minutes fit in a professional setting, nor should she be. Um, But she's not coming in to get, you know, 25 minutes at the end of the game to try to do something. They're start, they're starting her. And I think that that um, is, is huge. I mean, she won them. She, well, she was a big part of winning them that game at soldier field against Chicago Um, obviously was a huge part of this result. Um, and, and so, yeah, in the games that Alex Morgan does not score, which is not many of them, but sometimes, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's good to have that other option. I agree with that. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that it's an interesting proposition to see a team have plan a work so well that you never see plan B. And 
it does always feel like that ushers in doubt, but if plan A is working, plan A is working. Uh, yep. One more, one more San Diego question before we wrap this up. Uh, Abby Dahlkemper made her return to the starting 11 this weekend. And I think that's interesting on a number of levels, right? Like it seems like Dahlkemper has possibly been dropped for form from the U S mm-hmm. women's national team. Uh, it seemed like she had been benched possibly for form on her club team. Uh, they had been starting Kaylee real. Now we know how good Naomi Germia has been. Right. And and she is at this point, the anchor of that back line. Mm-hmm. So if you have to play, if you start, if you are Casey Stoney and you have a playoff game tomorrow, who do you pair with Germa to, to play a playoff game? Um, I, I think right now it would come down to who the opponent is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's in part because, you know, Dahl Kemper just came back and it's kind of, it's kind of a mysterious situation. I feel like yeah. there's not that much out there about what's going on. Um, what, if anything has hampered her off the field, we know, you know, she, self-reported that she had COVID by eating a bag full of kale yes. <laughs> uh, on Instagram. So um, we know she went through that. It, it could be something to do with that. It could have nothing to do with that. Right. Um, so that's kind of, um, you know, it's kind of a, a confusing situation, but I will say, um, you know, the main difference between those two players is that long distribution. Right. Um, and with, with, you know, Gurma can do that as well. I wrote that I feel like she should probably start for the national team because of it right now. Right. Um, it, during the W championship. Um, so obviously they have that player that can already do it, but if you can have that at both center back positions, it becomes so much harder to press. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it kind of takes pressing off the table for a lot of teams, because as soon as they step that high lineup, it doesn't matter where the ball goes. It just ends up, you're worried about that ball in behind and you have to take that off the table. So against a Kansas city, for example, mm-hmm. um, I would want, Dahl Kemper starting if she can um this you know she got through this game against Angel City um if that pattern keeps up then I I would think you would want her to be starting um but there are going to be some teams that are just uh willing to sit deep and play long balls to uh, a larger forward and that's when you're pairing Dahl Kemper and Gurma you might prefer Kaylee Real instead she has a couple inches of height um on on both of those players she's I, I will say um I saw a stat recently that um Gurma's aerial duels are shockingly good um mm-hmm. for for a center back who's not like I think she might be an inch or two below your center back average height um her aerial duels one have been spectacular um just adding to what she's done this year as a as a you know as a player for the the wave she's been incredible um but yeah, it is an interesting tactical problem for them to have to solve of, um, do we need one more player to win these aerial battles? Do we need distribution more? Um, how, how sharp is Dahl Kemper right now? Um, those are all going to factor in, but yeah, I think it might come down to, you know, who the opponent is. Um, if, if, if there's a tactical fit where you need that extra distribution, you're absolutely going to go with Dahl Kemper, but that's not the case with every team and that they're going to face. So it's a, it's a tough one for Casey Stoney because you're also, you have individual, you know, pride. I, I'm sure Dahl Kemper doesn't view herself at all as a player who shouldn't be playing playoff games. Right. Um, I think if you asked her, she would say, it doesn't matter the opponent. I should be out there. I'm a world cup winner. I've got a gold medal. Like yeah. what, what, why am I not on the field? Um, and that's, that's how it should be. Um, yeah. Kaylee real also will be like, well, look at how well I've played this year. I should be on the field. Um, so it's a good good rotation to have though. It's like, it's good to have that, you know, we always talk about wanting to have that like good tension, right? You want to have that productive amount of tension in training. So I do think that that's an interesting wrinkle for them that I I see as a positive, not, not a negative. I don't think. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think any, any team in the league would like to have this as a, as a problem, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. um, to, to have a, a player of Dahl Kemper's experience and being able to say like, we don't have to start her and we can still be very, very good. Um, we can play a player who has a different profile and still win that game and maybe even be better. Um, so that's, that's the challenge for Casey Stoney, but I'm sure that's how she would want it. Um, she would want to have these different tactical wrinkles that she can add to, you know, we just said that they really have plan a and that's it, but they now do have this way to change themselves pretty dramatically. Um, that's kind of not gotten a lot of discussion, which is, it's kind of a wild season where this is just kind of like, happening in the background in the background i know a player of abby dahlkemper's prominence is suddenly not 
it like is in uniform and is not starting. Yeah. Um, that's, I mean, as Amber Brooks said, the NWSL is crazy. Yeah. And I, I feel like I've thought of that quote like a hundred times since she said it. Yeah. I know. Put it on a plaque or something or like a, a motivational <laughs> poster. We need yeah. <laughs> Cause she's I, right. On the logo. 100% correct. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much, Jason, for joining me this week. I have been your host, Claire Watkins. Uh, shout out to our producer extraordinaire, Jacqueline Purdy and our distributor blue wire podcast. This has been this week's equalizer podcast, man. It's going to be a really interesting couple of weeks. We have two more weeks of NWSL games. We have a huge international break and then it's playoff time. So buckle up everybody. We'll see you next week.